Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Mergers happen all the time in the business world, but when there are questions over whether deals could lessen competition, federal and state regulators will step in to review the proposals. That's where the process stands for health insurers Aetna and Anthem. They each have plans to merge with other major insurers. Today, where we live, we look at Anthem's proposed merger with Cigna, which has turned out to be controversial in several ways. Advocates for consumers say the $54 billion proposal would lessen competition and drive up premium costs. The companies disagree, saying the deal would lower premiums and allow health care to be delivered more efficiently. Complicating all of this is the question of how state regulators are reviewing the Anthem-Cigna merger. Because Cigna is based in Connecticut, the state is taking the lead, charged with ensuring the merger doesn't hurt competition or consumers, or result in big job losses in the state. But there's a catch. Connecticut's insurance commissioner, Catherine Wade, who's overseeing this review, is a former Cigna employee and married to a current employee at the company. That has critics saying she should recuse herself from this case. So far, she has not. You can join the conversation today, 860-275-7266. Comment on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. This is a complicated story, so joining me in studio are two reporters. I want to start with WNPR's business reporter, Harriet Jones. Hi, Harriet. Good morning, Lucy. I think it's the first time you've been on with me since it I took is, over so the show, right, yes. so I'm excited to speak with you today. I wanted to just get some history on Catherine Wade. You know, who is she and how long has she been in this post? Sure. So she was tapped to be the commissioner by Governor Malloy in March of 2015, March last year. And I would say at the time she was maybe a slightly unexpected choice. That's because the previous commissioner had left in December of 2014. And his deputy, a woman named Anne Melissa Dowling, had stepped up to be interim commissioner. Um, And she had also been quite high profile previously under the previous commissioner. She was regarded as being very competent, quite high profile. She dealt with a lot of very serious issues. She was regarded as by some as being kind of the natural choice for continuity. Malloy could have just tapped her and she could have stepped straight into the role. That's not what happened. He tapped Katie Wade, who came more or less from Cigna, and Anne Melissa Dowling left. So as you mentioned, um, Katie Wade was a longtime Cigna employee. She worked from the company from 1992 until 2013, so really the the majority of her career. And the last job she held with them was um, Vice President of Public Policy, Government Affairs, and U.S. Compliance. So that's basically the chief lobbyist for Cigna. She's the person who interfaces with government and with regulators, makes sure that the company is complying with all the various regulations. Insurance is a very highly regulated industry. So that is obviously an extremely important position. As you mentioned, her husband still works for Cigna. At the time she was appointed, she had Cigna stock. Um, To be honest, that's not actually what was the most controversial thing about her when she was first tapped by Malloy. The thing that raised a couple of eyebrows was uh, the position of her father-in-law, James Wade. Now, he is a friend of Governor Malloy's. He's a top Democratic fundraiser. Um, He's an attorney at Robinson & Cole. He acts for 
America's Health Insurance Plans, which is the trade group for health insurers. He's also outside counsel to the Connecticut Democratic Party. So he's really um, very heavily involved with the Democratic Party in Connecticut. And there were quite a couple of questions raised at the time. Did Catherine Wade get this job because of who her father-in-law was? Malloy's answer to that was no, of course not. She's highly qualified to do the job. So enter uh, this proposed merger between Anthem and Cigna. I want to bring into the conversation David Sirota, Senior Editor for Investigations at the International Business Times. David, welcome to Where We Live. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we invited you on because you've reported extensively on this particular merger. What are some of the big questions surrounding this? Well, uh, surrounding the, the political uh, situation with Governor Malloy, uh, I mean, the one of the big questions that outside groups have raised is whether the multi-state review that Connecticut is leaving is being conducted impartially uh, because of Commissioner Wade's uh, ties, uh, continued ties, uh, to Cigna, a party that's, that's, that, that obviously wants the merger. Uh, her father-in-law, as, as was mentioned, uh, uh, is at the law firm that represents uh, a Cigna as a, as a lobbying firm. He's also listed on court documents as having been a lawyer uh, for Cigna. Uh, her mother worked for Cigna. Her brother worked for Cigna, or her husband works for Cigna. Uh, and there are questions about uh, whether uh, state conflict of interest laws uh, have been violated uh, in the process of, of, of having her be in this position and her not recusing herself. Uh, originally, state ethics regulators uh, in December offered, or excuse me, in September offered an in- informal opinion saying uh, everything was okay, that the law doesn't cover the appearance of conflicts of interest. Uh, however, there is now an, uh, a formal inquiry, uh, a more formal process, to look into those questions uh, as more details have come out about her ties uh, to Cigna. There's been a question about a, a stock transaction. There was a previous commissioner uh, who had uh, recused himself back in the, in the Roland era uh, when he uh, was a, an Aetna executive who was put in place in the same job. Uh, and there was an Aetna merger. Uh, there's a questions about why that ruling in the past, which said that such stock transactions may be uh, not in compliance with a conflict of interest laws in the state, why that standard has not been applied uh, in the current standard with, with Commissioner Wade. So those are the big uh, ethics and legal questions right now. In your reporting, you also raised uh, questions over how involved the uh, Governor Malloy's administration has been on this um, outside of, of just Catherine Wade's uh, connections to Cigna. Yes. Well, uh, Governor Malloy, uh, as we reported in our story, uh, he has raised a, a lot of money of, uh, from the companies, uh, money going to groups that he is linked to. Uh, for instance, uh, as we reported in the, uh, the lead-up to the merger, uh, Cigna and Anthem uh, uh, had delivered about $1.3 million in campaign contributions to Malloy-linked groups, including the Connecticut Democratic Party uh, and the Democratic Governors Association, which supported Governor Malloy's election, a big, a, a big spender in that election, and also now an organization that he chairs. Uh, half of the money that Cigna and Anthem have given uh, to specifically the Democratic Governors Association over the last 10 years, half of that money, uh, half about $2 million bucks, uh, have come in since the merger was announced. And obviously, again, Governor Malloy is chairing that organization as this money uh, is coming in, as he's appointing a former signal lobbyist to oversee uh, the review of Cigna's merger. David, this is Harriet. Wouldn't it be true to say, though, that you know insurers are big givers across the board in the political world? Um, and you know Anthem and Cigna have also given in a big way to the Republican Governors Association. Actually, uh, if you look at some of the figures, they've given more to Republicans. 
Well, I think it's certainly true that, that companies give on both sides of the aisle to get influence on both sides of the aisle. I mean, these are not these companies are not giving money out of the goodness of their own heart. Uh, they're giving money uh, typically to uh, try to make relationships and, and for the purposes of influence. And certainly, they they uh, look for influence on both sides of the of the political aisle. W- as it regards Anthem and Cigna in particular, what's important here, and I think you're right to note that insurers do give a lot of money t- typically, but they have substantially increased uh, their contributions uh, to the Democratic Governors Association uh, as this merger uh, has has proceeded in a very, very big way. I mean, they have already donated more to the Democratic Governors Association in this election cycle, and we're not even into the heart of the election yet. They've already donated more to the, to the Democratic Governors Association than they did the entire previous election cycle. And again, that, this election cycle is coinciding, happens to be coinciding uh, with a merger that they want approved by regulators, uh, some regulators, the key regulator being the, uh, the Malloy administration, uh, the Malloy administration's insurance commission. David, can we talk about um, one of your latest stories um, where you bring to attention to um, how involved um, Governor Malloy's office has been in this merger review, which should be impartial. Can you talk about um, what you uncovered? Yes, well, we, we uh, asked for uh, correspondence between uh, the Malloy administration, uh, the governor's office, the insurance commissioner, uh, and the companies in question. And One email that came back from that open records request was an email in which uh, one of Governor Malloy's commissioners at the Economic Development Agency uh, said, we stand ready uh, to assist you in any way possible, she's writing to Cigna, uh, if the merger proceeds, if the merger goes forward. Uh, Some some folks have said that that uh, suggests that this has not been an impartial process, that the Malloy administration's posture could be, uh, we're concerned about jobs. Uh, we'd like to understand the implications of jobs on, for instance, if this merger goes through. Instead, the posture from the Moy administration, uh, at least from the documents that we got back, was we stand ready to assist you in any way if this merger goes forward. There, there wasn't in the correspondence that we received back, there wasn't any, weren't any alarm bells about whether a merger going forward would be bad for the state, bad for the state in terms of competition or bad for the state in terms of jobs. We reached out to the governor's office. Um, they declined to come on the show, but they did um, issue a, a very lengthy statement. We're going to tweet that out and put it on our website. Uh, but through the governor's office, uh, they say that the governor does not play a role in the merger review process or the decision-making around it. We have no involvement in this process, and we completely respect the role of the Office of State Ethics, um, as we've made clear, to expect the insurance department to abide by whatever guidance it ultimately issues, should the guidance change from what has been previously conveyed. But as you said, David, even in September, that board said that there it, it was an all-clear until after a lot of lengthy reporting that you've done. They've now decided to look again at Catherine Wade's um, possible conflict of interest here because of her Cigna ties. Well, yes, the the ethics board is is open to formal inquiry because a group, Common Cause, has come to it and said we want we want not an informal advisory, we want a, a formal inquiry, a, basically a ruling. And you know, there are new facts that have come onto the table. I mean, I mean, you know, you, one thing that we've we've now learned is that uh, Catherine Wade told the ethics commission uh, that she is not associated with the company under Connecticut law, yet she has been filing disclosure forms with the same ethics office saying, listing Cigna as a company that she is associated with. Uh, there's a situation in which uh, Catherine Wade uh, told the Ethics Commission uh, that she has no Cigna business uh, before her as, uh, as, as commissioner. This was in February, 
uh, when the department was uh, reviewing uh, the merger. Now, she has, a, a, in her email, sort of argued that, well, staff is dealing with the, with the merger review. I'm not really involved, although in our reporting documents showed that in the lead-up uh, to that email in February, uh, she had been uh, participating in conference calls uh, with the companies about the merger review, both both uh, in Connecticut and, obviously, and, and across the country. And, and it's worth noting that, you know, we don't really know the extent fully of Governor Malloy's uh, involvement here. But one thing, one additional detail we did find was that Governor Malloy was on the phone with the CEOs of Anthem and Cigna the night before the merger was announced. Now, that could mean nothing. It could mean something. We, we don't really know. Uh, but it is a, it is a question, uh, and certainly whether uh, Catherine Wade's ties to the company violate uh, conflict of interest uh, laws, that is what is going to be ruled on by the Ethics Commission. There's a 30-day comment period for the public to weigh in right now. But the governor's office would um, would say that that is the governor's job. If we're talking about Cigna, who's based here, and the potential of a merger, and they could be losing lots of jobs, that that's their job to call and and to have that communication early on in this kind of process. Oh, I, I wouldn't look. I wouldn't. I'm not disputing either way. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. What I'm saying is, is that what we know is that is the facts that have been laid out. The, the Governor Malloy appointed this appointee, this particular appointee, in the weeks leading up to the announcement of the merger. Governor Malloy has been in touch with the CEOs of the company about the merger. Governor Malloy's administration has said, we stand ready to assist you in any way we can if this merger goes forward. Uh, not necessarily we stand ready to block the merger because we're worried about the job implications. Uh, so that's what we know. Maybe it's all appropriate, maybe it's not. That's what the ethics regulators at least are going to be looking at in some of these questions surrounding the ethics laws. So I'm curious, David, what you feel about Catherine Wade's role. I mean, this is done under the Holding Company Act, and it's quite that the review process is laid out quite strictly, and the standards that the applying company has to meet are actually quite strict. So in her, she wrote a six-page letter to the Ethics Commission in September explaining why she wouldn't recuse herself um, basically saying she's going to have to follow the law. She has expert staff to review her decision. She has a hearing officer who is not herself who makes a recommendation. Do you believe all of that firewalls her enough? Well, I, look, it's not for me to judge. I mean, I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm just reporting the facts. I, I can tell you this, that what I've been told by uh, various experts who study trade, former trade, uh, U.S. trade officials uh, at the federal level, is that the Holding Company Act gives states arguably broader powers to intervene in mergers than even the federal government has, that there is a broad mandate. There are specific things that the, that the state must evaluate, but then there is a broader mandate that says that the states can, can act uh, and intervene in mergers uh, in a broad way if they believe, for various reasons, that the mergers would be bad for consumers. So what I would say is, is that Catherine Wade is in a position, like other insurance commissioners across the country, in which she has broad authority to act, or to not act. And she is the head of that department. And I think most people who've, who understand the way government works, the person who's, who's the commissioner of the agency uh, has lots of power over the people who, who work in the agency. And, and Catherine Wade appointed a, uh, as her top deputy a, of somebody who had worked at Cigna, uh, a lawyer who was involved in the review process, the, the day-to-day review process from the beginning, uh, had been a longtime attorney at Cigna. Both those people are not at the agency anymore. But during that review process, I mean, these are the people she put in place. So, so she has a lot of power to act or not act. Uh, whether she wields that power appropriately or not, that's the question. 
We're going to have to leave it there with you, David. David Sirota, Senior Editor for Investigations at the International Business Times. You can read his reporting at ibtimes.com. David, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. When we return from the break, we're going to hear about the concerns from consumer and physicians groups and what they're worried about with these potential mergers. And we're going to continue asking the question why Catherine Wade has refused to recuse herself from um, reviewing the uh, Anthem-Cigna deal. We'll have more coming up after the break. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Connecticut-based insurers Aetna and Cigna, two of the five biggest insurance companies in the country, are waiting on regulatory approval to merge with other insurers, saying the move will save customers money and make the delivery of health care more efficient. Meanwhile, consumer advocates and physician groups warn that proposals will lessen competition and actually drive up costs. This week, Senator Richard Blumenthal weighed in, agreeing with advocates, and he also said, quote, these mega mergers are job killers. Joining me in studio to talk about the many perspectives on, on these proposed mergers is WNPR business reporter Harriet Jones. And before we get to the question of how the mergers could impact the marketplace, we want to further explore why there are calls for Connecticut's Insurance Commissioner Catherine Wade to recuse herself from reviewing the Anthem Cigna merger. Sherry Quickmire, Executive Director of Common Cause in Connecticut, now joins us in studio. Sherry, welcome to where we live. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How did Common Cause get involved in this question about uh, Commissioner Wade's role? Well, the information started to come out about the merger and how the merger decisions were being made and the variously lack of uh, transparency about the process. And we began to question just how it is that this decision of a mega merger, billions and billions of dollars with I presume a, a, a remarkable impact on on consumers around the country. Uh, why there was no information really being left available to to us and to consumers or subscribers to the plans, and what impact that was going to have on them. So we started to question just how it is that that those decisions were being made, and when it became clear that, in fact, the person who was in charge of the review of this merger is someone who had worked for Cigna for many, many years. I think David Sirota, your previous guest, talked about that and how long she'd been there and and what her interest and her family's interest in the company is and um, how it was that she was appointed as the merger was happening, as someone who was a lobbyist for the corporation, suddenly became a regulator for the same industry uh, for which she had lobbied. And so that became a question to me, just how is it that a lobbyist becomes a regulator and just what impact does that have on decisions being made about a merger? And there was a, uh, we were talking earlier before the show on the, on the question of, you know, mergers don't happen overnight. So she worked no. with uh, Cigna up until 2013. I mean, how long um, was she involved in any type of discussion about merging with other big insurers and what the repercussions were? Um, I wanted to take this comment from uh, Linda, who's listening. Her question is, why hasn't the Ethics Commission investigated or publicized what, if any, compensation Miss Wade's husband would receive were the transaction to be approved or what impact it might have in 
his job. She writes, why shouldn't we hold Wade to the highest conflict standard when the merger would result potentially in a large loss of jobs and the loss of a very large and longstanding Connecticut corporation and further the loss of a large competitor in the insurance and health insurance plan marketplace. So a lot of questions, again, surrounding why she simply won't recuse herself. And Harriet, I had a a question for you. Um, You know, tell us who sits, do we know who sits on the office of the state ethics board or Sherry? I mean, can you talk about this process? Well, these are appointees by both the governor and the, I believe, the minority party um, has appointees on the board. And and, um, they meet regularly and they review um, information that's come before them. And when we decided that there were we had enough questions, we thought they, we, they really should um, produce a declaratory ruling. We did their, their, went through their process, petitioned the board, the Citizens Ethics Advisory Board, and said we need to understand how it is that, that uh, you do not think that Ms. Wade has a conflict of interest Please just, you know, please make a discussion. I mean, please have a discussion about this and please make a ruling on this. And at their Thursday meeting last week, they decided they would go forward and actually come up with a declaratory ruling. There are also concerns on uh, the from physician groups. I want to um, and welcome to the conversation Matthew Katz, executive vice president and CEO of the Connecticut State Medical Society. Uh, Matthew, you're on where we live. Thank you, Lucy, very much. Please tell us, thank you, and and please tell us what your concerns are um, with this potential merger. Well, well, there's many, and um, we we worked with a number of groups, including the Connecticut Citizen Action Group and the Universal Healthcare Foundation of Connecticut, and we're part of Connecticut Campaign for Consumer Choice. Um, The State Medical Society has concern about the fairness and transparency of the process. So I I think before we even get into the issue of conflicts, we have to look at whether or not it's a fair and transparent process so that consumers, physicians, and other healthcare professionals can engage in the process, weigh in, and that the state can make an, a well-informed decision. And it, it, it raises to the level of concern for us because we believe that when a decision is made in January but the public isn't informed until late May, it suggests a concealing of the information it suggests a concealing of the decision. There was no information available that um, suggested what was relied upon by the Department of Insurance or what justification they have for actually making the approval that they made of um, already Aetna Humana's merger. So I was we, say, we Matt, that, that decision you're talking about in January was was not the merger we're considering here. It was the Aetna Humana decision. I believe the insurance uh, department says with that. Um, they're not the lead regulator. They're regulating that under a different app- type of application because the company that's being acquired is not in this state. Aetna, the company doing the acquiring, is here, but the uh, the company that's being acquired, Humana, is in Kentucky. So they consider it differently. Well, I would think, from a Connecticut perspective, we could we should consider it just as significantly when you have a company as large as Aetna, who provides as many jobs in in this state. And, and generates opportunities in the economy and covers as many patients as it covers in Connecticut for their health insurance. We should look just as closely at that merger and its impact on Connecticut. And we have no information 
or justification as to why that decision was made. And it, it raises concern not only for that merger evaluation, mm -hmm. but the Anthem-Signa merger that, um, evaluation that's upcoming. There was no public hearing, no public process, no opportunity for engagement. And these mega-mergers, to quote um, um, Senator Blumenthal, um, are impactful for, to the state and we believe could have disastrous um, consequences for access to health care for consumers in the state of Connecticut. So the, the process with the Anthem-Cigna merger, a lot of information is being published on the insurance department's website. They've said once the application is complete to their uh, satisfaction, they will hold a public hearing within 30 days. What, what will be your involvement with that process, and what are your concerns about that process? Sure. Well, first of all, not all of the information has been provided and presented to the public. In fact, much of the key information is being shielded from public review and scrutiny, including um, what size um, market share these insurers will have within the marketplace and how they suggest that this will in any way reduce costs, improve efficiencies, and provide greater access, which is what they say in their um, corporate statements, but they haven't been able to present to the public any justification. All that information has been shielded from public review and scrutiny. Um, we, we intend to be very engaged in the process and ask to be heard at the hearing and be able to examine the evidence, including the evidence that has not been yet presented to the public or may not be, as well as examine the companies and ask some very difficult questions about the impact on Connecticut um, patients and the physicians and others that provide the care to these patients. I wanted to um, go back to Sherry Quickmeyer, Executive Director of Common Cause in Connecticut. Again, this is a um, this merger uh, issue. There's lots of layers to this, but there was a question about during the session a bill that was passed that would shield certain information um, from the public. Can you give us a little bit of an of a background on that, Sherry? Well, honestly, there's not very much information to be had about that. It was a bill that passed uh, very late at night. It was a bill that was not. There wasn't much information um, available to those of us in the public, and I would use the word hidden, not necessarily shielded, and and uh, it has kept information uh, unavailable to those of us in the public who want to know just what this conflict may be or want to know the kinds of questions that Matthew Cass just asked, mm -hmm. and I think we don't have the information that we need in order to to uh, provide any kind of uh, statements. Harriet, do you know anything about this um, this bill that passed in the middle of the night? Well, so when I've talked to the insurance department about this, they tell me this is a change that they've actually sought for some years. I think since 2009 is what they say. They've sought that change. And been um, denied. Right, and been denied in the past. This was attached to an unrelated bill, um, and did it passed without too much fanfare, it has to be said. Um, they also tell me that we're one of only a handful of states that don't have this type of legislation, um, and it, they believe it prevents them from gathering certain sorts of data from companies because they fear that it might be shared with the public. So that's the insurance department's rationale for having this kind of uh, shielding law. But it, as Sherry says, it does raise concerns uh, about how transparent this process can really be. Um, Matthew Katz, again, President, uh, Executive Vice President and CEO of the Connecticut State Medical Society. Um, tell us about the FOIA requests that, um, that you have filed uh, to get more information. Sure. Well, uh, again, under the auspices of transparency and fairness so that we can evaluate the, um, the justification for the department's approval of Aetna Humana, we filed a Freedom of Information request 
asking for any and all information associated with their evaluation and review of the merger and any communications they may have had. Um, unfortunately, we received very little, in fact, only a few emails, and then, in fact, our own letter back with a small bill uh, for the copying of the material. There was nothing there. It was devoid of any concrete information associated with the information the company would have provided that the insurance department should have relied on in making an informed decision or any other expert evaluation or information used to make the decision they did. So we're, we're left wondering how they decided, what they decided, and who they relied on to make that decision, if anyone, in determining that this wasn't bad for Connecticut and, in fact, good for Connecticut's consumers. Um, there is some overlap with those insurers in Connecticut tied to the Medicare Advantage market. There has been no information presented by the department or anyone else that looks at that information and how it could impact the seniors in Connecticut. So we are very concerned that this was done um, kind of in the darkness of night in, in January and, and it wasn't released until May and we still have no information. So we are presently exploring our options based upon the lack of information and responsiveness to the FOIA request. And I wanted to return now uh, to Harriet. Uh, we had mentioned Senator Blumenthal uh, voiced his opposition not only to the Anthem-Cigna merger that we're talking about and focusing on this hour, but also the Aetna-Humana uh, merger. Um, so how much weight does that play in how the Department of Justice will look at this? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how the Department of Justice does balance all these competing voices, um, because there are many states, obviously, who are weighing in on this decision I mean, Connecticut is one of 20-some states that's weighing in on uh, the Anthem-Cigna merger, states that have interests or have significant market concentration of these two insurers. Um, so the DOJ has the ultimate power to sue in federal court to block this merger going forward if that's what they decide to do. But they take a, a, a lot of account of what the states say. The states can also impose their own um, specific conditions within that state if the merger goes forward. And Sherry Quickmire from Common Cause, um, can you just update us on the timeline? So the Office of State Ethics is now, the board is now looking at um, taking public comment on whether um, Catherine Wade should recuse herself. And so when will they rule and how does that play into when the insurance department will review uh, this, uh, this Cigna merger? Well, they have a 30-day public comment period and people, general consumers, should feel free to make comment. I believe you can do that on the Office of State Ethics website. And then it's the ruling happens within 60 days. Or if they decide not to make a ruling, then that can go on. And I, But the 60 day, it's 30 days and then 60 days is my understanding. And I am not clear when the insurance companies will be deciding about a merger. I believe they said something to the effect of near in the second part of 2016. So that could be at any point here. That was their original target was the second right. half of 2016. I think they've said now that they expect it to be pushed a little bit because okay. of this, you know, the, the, the complications within the regulatory process. And uh, Matthew Katz, uh, before we go to break, um, you know, you had said earlier that there's a lot of concerns about the consequences on consumers, the people listening who may have um, health care plans with these companies. Can you talk um, from a real base level of where where they could see an impact if these mergers go through? Sure. Well, if any, if historic mergers of uh, anywhere clo close to this magnitude are any indication, um, they could see premiums going up. 
they could see access being limited, and they could see problems associated with the mergers from any everything from their representatives that they deal with, the consumer advocates that they interact with at these at these um, these insurers impacted. They're, if they're talking about efficiencies and economies of scale, that suggests to me that they may be reducing jobs. They may, and not just here in Connecticut, but elsewhere, which means that access to information from the insurers could be limited to consumers. And But the biggest concern we have is the impact on the consumer directly, that being not only potential premium increases, which we've seen with other um, big mergers of health insurers, but a um, truncation of their networks, a limitation of their networks, and access to care delivery services um, by the insurers. So our fear is that with these mergers and their attempt to create the efficiencies that they're purporting to present to Wall Street, um, that they're going to um, jeopardize access to care and consumer quality of care. And that's something we're fighting very strongly to prevent. And certainly, uh, and from the physician's perspective, concerns about um, decline in reimbursement rates. Well, that is a concern not just about the rate itself, Mm -hmm. but the impact on the medical decision made by the physician. Who is going to ultimately make the medical decision for the patient and what's in the best interest of the patient? These big, um, large Goliaths have had a tendency to try to dictate those terms and conditions to physicians. And we believe it's a patient-physician relationship and that the physician, in consultation with their patients, should be making the decision what's in the best interest of the patient and what quality care should or shouldn't be provided. I want to thank Matthew Katz, Executive Vice President and CEO of the Connecticut State Medical Society. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Thank you very much, Lucy. I appreciate it. And coming up, we'll hear about what the state of California thinks of the Anthem Cigna and Aetna Humana potential mergers. Are you insured by any of these companies? How do you think the mergers will impact your health care coverage if approved? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. You can comment on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about proposed mergers by Aetna and Cigna with other insurers. Connecticut's leading a multi-state review of the Cigna-Anthem merger because Cigna's based here. But the woman in charge of that review, State Commissioner, State Insurance Commissioner Catherine Wade, is a former Cigna employee. That's raised concerns about a conflict of interest. Wade denies there's a conflict, and now a state ethics board is reviewing that. California also has a stake in the proposed Anthem-Cigna merger, given the fact that if approved, Anthem will become that state's largest health insurer, and not all of California's regulators are greenlighting the proposal. For more, we're joined now by Chad Thurhune, senior correspondent for Kaiser Health News. Hi, Chad. Welcome to Where We Live. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. So this is a, you know, it's complicated for maybe the listeners at home when we're talking about mergers and, and health care um, plans and, and insurance and what's happening in California and how is that different than what the debate is here in Connecticut? Yeah, the California Insurance Commissioner, uh, Dave Jones, he's an elected uh, commissioner, and he took a review of both deals, but first we'll take Anthem and Cigna, and he recently came out in opposition to the deal. That was the first state insurance commissioner to do so. And this could provide ammunition to the Justice Department uh, if they want to block the deal. He uh, just had uh, the power to make a recommendation, but he made two main points that I think uh, lots of other people are picking up on. One, the employer health market, 
which your other guests have talked about, uh, he fears that will get too consolidated. And one example was in California, Anthem and Cigna, he said, would have 61% of the employer market, the market for uh, offering benefits for these big self-insured employers. And he said, look, that would give Anthem and Cigna a monopoly share in California. And, you know, despite all the attention over Obamacare, most Americans still get their health insurance through work. Mm -hmm. So that was a big concern. And then, two, he really took on this uh, notion of savings, the $2 billion in savings that Anthem and Cigna talk about. He asked them a lot of questions. He asked for more data, more proof of where this money was coming from and where it would go. And he wasn't very satisfied with the answers, so he said those $2 billion savings are vague, not credible, and he said there's just simply no guarantee those savings would benefit policyholders. Now, Dave Jones is California's insurance commissioner. What other officials in the state have a say in these mergers? Yeah, California's a little different. There's two insurance regulators, so there's the elected California Insurance Commissioner, and then there's also an appointed regulator over managed care plans, and it's been a different decision there. Uh, She has not weighed in on Anthem and Cigna, but she has come out in favor of Aetna and Humana, and the insurance commissioner came out against Aetna and Humana, so Aetna and Humana has been a split decision in California. And we'd asked this question earlier to um, a physician here in Connecticut, but you know, when these when the states are coming up with um, or coming up with the reviews, I mean, how much weight does that carry, and how the DOJ will will decide? Yeah, the, the Department of Justice is uh, really the final arbiter here on antitrust grounds, and they cover the whole country. But I think if you look at the the country, certain states are going to have more uh, say than others. California is certainly a large state, the biggest market. Uh, you know, that's going to matter. Uh, Connecticut will certainly be very key uh, in this deal. So, yeah, the Justice Department will be gathering all of this evidence. And, you know, if they have to, if they want to block the deal, they're going to need to have some very specific reasons, uh, you know, enough evidence on their side. And some of these state insurance decisions could provide that ammunition if they go down that route. Chad, this is Harriet. I think that idea of market concentration is is pretty interesting. I think that is where this intersects with people's lives. I know that uh, the American Medical Association has said that of that large self-funded employer market, Anthem would have over 50% in Connecticut. And I think New Hampshire might have been the the top. It was something like 75% of that market that Anthem would have if this merger goes ahead. And I guess the the question is always, you know, um, the Department of Justice can order divestitures can say, well, in order for this to go ahead, you have to sell off some, you know, parts of your market. But what's the problem here with divestitures? Yeah, when you talk to analysts uh, in the Aetna Humana deal, there's been a lot of concern about the Medicare Advantage market. I think there could be some uh, parts of the business that are sold off, but I think it's a lot more complicated for Anthem and Cigna when you talk to analysts that they just don't see divestitures really solving the problem here. And you're right, in many of these markets, uh, Anthem in particular is already very dominant. I think they're already dominant in 10 of the 14 states where they have Blue Cross Blue Shield plans. And then when you put Cigna on top of that, that's where you get some of these large 
numbers where they're over 50, 60% of the market for the big employer plans. And exactly that, that really gets down to the everyday American, the average worker, open enrollment is coming up. And instead of three plans to pick from, you might have two, or more importantly, that amount that's deducted from your paycheck every week for health insurance, that might go up. Because if you're an employer, you just don't have another option. You don't have somebody to play off uh, your current plan to get a better price, or as other people said, maybe a better network. Uh, You're really stuck with one or two options. And as most people know, that tends to drive prices up. I wanted to ask you, Chad, you know, we're focusing a lot on, on what the regulators think, but um, because you're a reporter in California, what are the residents in California, what do they think about these mergers? Well, certainly uh, Anthem is a big player here. Cigna is a little uh, less, but still has a sizable presence in the employer market. Uh, I think, you know, people see uh, rate increases. That's often uh, their first uh, reaction. Uh, Even before these deals, rates have been going up and up. There's been uh, an uproar over those in the past. If you remember, uh, Anthem had a famous uh, huge double-digit rate increase in California right when the Affordable Care Act was pending in Congress. And some consumer advocates actually give Anthem credit for helping push that law across the finish line because President Obama and others cited that huge rate increase as, look, we have to do something about these health insurance companies. So I think there's already that pent-up anger over the price of health insurance. And then, yeah, networks have been getting smaller and smaller. Customer service is not great. Uh, Even the CEO of Anthem, uh, Joseph Swedish, has cited that, saying, look, our reputation is already horrible. We really need to do something about uh, our customer service. So I think there's just obvious fears of these companies getting even bigger and losing touch with consumers even more. That's interesting. When you talk about Anthem, we just had a caller um, who just wanted to leave a comment, says she's insured by Anthem and was told that her premiums would go up 29%. She wonders, is this because of this merger? Went up 10% last year, and she's just a few years away from Medicare. I assume that the insurer would say that if this merger goes through, it would help her premiums. Yeah, that's that's the argument they're going to make is, look, we're going to be able to have efficiencies, reduce costs. You know, they're also going to say some people who are proponents of this, they say, look, look across the way, the hospitals, uh, medical groups, clinics, surgery centers, they're all consolidating. When we've had a huge... Uh, ramp up in consolidation on the hospital side. And in many communities now, you have these huge health systems where it's the hospital, you have medical groups, you have uh, surgery centers, clinics, radiology, all owned by one big health system. So sometimes the health insurers say, hey, we've got to get bigger to compete with them because there's concerns about consolidation with the health systems and hospitals as well. So it's kind of like an arms race now between the two industries. So some people cite that, but uh, that also doesn't really placate the critics saying, no, that's not really the answer to uh, to fight one with the other. And um, we had mentioned earlier, you had mentioned earlier that California's insurance commissioner, Dave Jones, has now made um, his comments known about he thinks that the Anthem Cigna Aetna Humana merger should not uh, go through. Um, you know, well, how have the companies responded to his decision? 
Well, I mean, they, they certainly disagree with his uh, logic. They would say their savings are real. They will benefit uh, consumers. Uh, they certainly don't think uh, there's anti-competitive aspects to this. They would point out that there's new insurers coming into the market. Uh, there's uh, companies like uh, Oscar, uh, even some big health systems and hospitals are starting up their own health plans. So they would certainly cite, look, there's plenty of competition in the market. Uh, so, no, they don't. They, they, they reject the criticism from the insurance commissioner. I want to thank Chad Thurhune, senior correspondent for Kaiser Health News, for joining us. And tell us if we wanted to read some of your reporting on, on how California has been dealing with this review process. Where can we go? Uh, just go to khn.org, Kaiser Health News, and uh, you can read all of our stories. All right. Thanks again, Chad. I wanted to take time now to read several comments we're getting um, from our listeners. Um, a tweet from one New York City Quaker. Um, she says the Cigna, or he says the Cigna Anthem mergers are corrupt and wrong and will abuse the public. Another comment from Henry. This entire process is corrupted. The contributions to Malloy's political ambitions by Cigna has grown. The appointment of Wade, who has a conflict, is absolutely glaring. Um, he says this merger will create a monopoly in Connecticut health care. And a tweet from Brian, why was Wade even appointed to her position? Another a conflict of interest. So my question to you, Harriet, I mean, obviously, uh, from the public's perspective, even though Commissioner Wade and Governor Malloy say that there's no conflict that and they're, they're, will, they're waiting to find out what the state ethics board will, will say, um, Obviously, when people hear about the Cigna connection, they wonder, well, how can you not say there's not a conflict when you've been you've worked there? Your husband now works there. And there are other people in her family that have ties to Cigna. I mean, wouldn't it just be easier for the sense of fairness that she step aside and have someone else review this so that it doesn't show that there's um, going to be questions if they were to approve it? Certainly, you know, I think the optics is the biggest piece of this, you know, whether or not she really has a conflict of interest in the legal sense. I think what the ethics statute revolves around is if there's a conflict where an official or a family member can derive a direct monetary gain or suffer a direct monetary loss. Now, she has been very clear that she divested her Cigna stock, um, that her and her husband's financial assets are in a blind trust, that he will not benefit in any way from the merger, that he's been firewalled off from decisions taken within the company about the merger. So she says in those ways she's she's satisfied the statute. So, you know, maybe that's not the question anymore. Maybe it really is the optics of this about how this really looks. Um, I will say that it really is not all that uncommon to have a commissioner who's been in industry, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the insurance department, which is incredibly the, the, the details and the issues they deal with are incredibly complex and very detailed. The previous commissioner, Thomas Leonardi, had industry experience. His deputy, Anne Melissa Dowling, was, had also worked um, for several Connecticut insurers. So the that somebody would come in from Cigna is really not that unusual. It's just the collision of that with this huge merger that she's having to review is the thing that has brought this to the public's attention. I want to return to Sherry Quickmar just for um, just to clarify for our listeners about the process. Again, Sherry's executive director of Common Cause in Connecticut. So the state ethics board is reviewing um, whether Wade should recuse herself. What happens if they say, yes, there, there's enough that say that this is a conflict of interest, she should step aside? I mean, Well, both she and the governor's administration have said that if the guidance from the Office of State Ethics changes from what they understood it to be when she was appointed, then they will abide by that recommendation. 
Um, I'm sorry we have to wait for this process to, you know, to take place. Um, I still will say that we think that her her long history in insurance, regardless of the fact that it did give her some expertise in the field, but her relationship as the lead regulator of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners and sort of her national profile on this issue really impact on, I think, on her ability to be an impartial regulator and that we still think that she should recuse herself from from this process. And Harriet Jones, I wanted to just go back to you. We just have a couple of minutes. Um, for our listeners who've been listening to this show, maybe this is the first time they've understood a little bit about these mergers that are out there and the potential for federal and state regulators to review the process. I mean, how did, how can, uh, I guess, listeners get involved with this debate? Because it seems like it's away from them right now. Right. Uh, if you want to know more about it, if you feel like diving into the, the <laughs> <laughs> right into the weeds, into the details, there is a lot of documentation on the insurance um, department's website uh, of Anthem's actual application to take over Cigna, to merge with Cigna. You can go and review all the documentation there. Um, they will be holding a public hearing. Um, some, they, they have to under the statute. They have to, you know, once the application is complete and they think they have all the documents within 30 days, then they have to call a public hearing. They have pledged that we'll be in a time and place that's accessible to as many people as possible. There's been calls for them to have multiple public hearings. They haven't responded to that. You know, just the size of this merger, some people have said, really, you can't just have one in Hartford and be done. You should have several through the state. We don't know whether that's going to happen or not. But people can certainly, you know, make themselves more aware of what's going on through some of the coverage. And they can certainly, you know, uh, they can submit uh, comments to the insurance department. They can turn up at the public hearing and have a say in this process. I want to thank Harriet Jones, business reporter for WNPR. Oh, good to have you on for this hour. I enjoyed it, Lucy. Thank you. Also, Sherry Quickmeyer, executive director of Common Cause in Connecticut. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And again, uh, the governor's office uh, issued a lengthy statement to us when we when we told them we were doing this show. Again, we have tweeted it out. We're going to put it on our website. You can read for yourself, and we'll be uh, listening for more reports from Harriet and others about how this process will unfold. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Tucker Ives. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. Continue the conversation on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. I'm Lucy Dalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.